Hi, I'm Hope Rugo from the University of California, San Francisco's Comprehensive Cancer Center. And at this year's St. Gallen 2021 Virtual Congress, I talked about accelerating progress from advanced to early stage breast cancer, focusing on HER2-positive disease. And actually each disease-focused uh, subset uh, that was presented at the St. Gallen educational portion of the symposium had a talk like this, how to accelerate progress from advanced to early stage disease. And I think that's so incredibly important. With HER2 positive disease, we've seen an unprecedented advance in the last year plus where four drugs have been approved in the United States since December of 2019. And these drugs are all quite unique. Uh, we've seen a, a novel oral tyrosine kinase inhibitor that's more HER2 uh, specific to catnib. We've seen a new antibody drug conjugate with a high drug to antibody ratio, trastuzumab deruxtecan. Um, and we've seen approval of an oral tyrosine kinase inhibitor in the metastatic setting that was already approved in the extended early stage setting, neratinib. And then most recently, we saw approval of a novel HER2 antibody with an FC-engineered uh, portion to allow a greater uh, affinity for the low affinity IgG-FC-gamma CD16A receptor. So the question is, how do we look at these uh, data that led to accelerated or full approval of the agents? And how can we capitalize on that information to move the drugs more rapidly into the early stage setting? First, we have to think about the optimal evaluation of novel agents. We know that adjuvant trials are cumbersome in large trials, and they often, uh, through no bad intentions, fail to identify the population that are most likely to need additional therapy. And it's actually helpful to look at the affinity trial with the addition of pertuzumab to see that actually uh, in the node negative population, there wasn't, there hasn't been an improvement so far with the addition of pertuzumab because patients already benefited so much from trastuzumab. It was hard to select the group of patients with node negative disease who really needed pertuzumab, particularly with a relatively short duration of follow-up and including ER positive disease. But in the node positive disease subset, longer follow-up resulted in an improved outcome. So it just, it really, I think, highlights the importance of selecting the right population and trying not to do a one-size-fits-all trial, even in a specific subset like HER2-positive disease, and maybe particularly in that group, since we already do so well with standard therapies. Neoadjuvant trials are smaller and have a more nimble approach with a short-term endpoint of pathologic complete response. It still adopts a one-size-fits-all approach, but you really can focus on higher-stage disease. Regardless, there has been a lot of discussion about whether or not this is the right way to evaluate novel agents. I think it still is, because we are seeing that patients who have a PCR with HER2-positive disease have a better outcome, and that's helpful. And also, we understand from the Catherine trial that changing therapy in the post-neoadjuvant setting is another mechanism for a drug evaluation and drug approval. This post-neoadjuvant uh, group of patients who have residual disease 
disease after standard treatments are known high-risk population. And uh, that's a very important area to evaluate. You may lose the opportunity for salvage by development of resistance during neoadjuvant therapy, but so far in HER2-positive disease, that hasn't really been an issue. And then in the long term, we may be able to look at cell-free DNA to drive treatment change, where we know that patients who develop cell-free DNA and that's specific to the tumor have a higher risk of recurrence. Uh, and in fact, most may recur. We don't know that from long enough follow-up in large enough populations yet. And maybe changing therapy in those patients would be uh, particularly appealing. And there are a number of different studies that are evaluating uh, tucatinib and trastuzumab, deruxtecan, as well as margituximab in the neoadjuvant or post-neoadjuvant setting. Tucatinib is really focused on trying to reduce the rate of brain metastases in patients with residual disease after neoadjuvant therapy in the uh, HER in the uh, COMPASS RD trial that's sponsored by the NCI, uh, NCI and run through the Alliance, a cooperative group in the US. And then uh, uh, there, the DESTINY trials will look both in the post-neoadjuvant setting in the TRUDY trial, looking at TDM1 versus TDXD in patients with residual disease after neoadjuvant therapy. And then a straight neoadjuvant trial is uh, planned as well. And margituximab is being studied in the MARGO trial, an investigator-initiated trial, uh, looking specifically at patients with the low affinity IgGFC gamma receptor and comparing a trastuzumab, pertuzumab, a paclitaxel regimen to a, a margituximab, pertuzumab, paclitaxel-based regimen, and that's run through the Translational Breast Cancer Research Consortium. So a lot of very exciting ways of testing agents. And then there are some additional agents, ways of studying new agents like immunotherapy in the neoadjuvant setting as well, that are banking on PCR as being an indicator of further approaches to treatment uh, that may give us a window into uh, response. And I think the new neoadjuvant trials are really enrolling a much larger group of patients so that event-free survival can be a secondary endpoint, which I think is very important as well. The iSPY2 trial is taking a new approach, which is to uh, look at patients and rather than waiting until the post-neoadjuvant setting to change therapy, we will change therapy in the neoadjuvant setting in iSPY2 uh, 0.2 or ISPY 2 plus. In this uh, trial, patients will get the best therapy up front. Um, and then if they have a radiographic and clinical CR with biopsies that show no residual disease in breast and or axillary nodes if involved, they will go to surgery to try and de-escalate therapy and personalize therapy to response. Patients who don't have a response um, or who have evidence of residual disease will go on to the next therapy that we're evaluating uh, to try and see if we can improve outcome. And these would generally be uh, more experimental therapies, for example, trastuzumab druxtecan or other ADCs or oral tyrosine kinase inhibitors. And that would go on for additional second line with each uh, patient individually who has a great response going to surgery uh, when there's no residual disease. So I think we're really seeing a great improvement in our ability to study new agents, to try and get them to the early stage setting for the patients who can be cured from their uh, cancers as uh, rapidly as possible. Thanks for your attention.